Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Today's a good day. I, uh, in the middle of that song, I leaned over to my daughter, Rachel. Um, we've been watching The Chosen. If you've not been watching The Chosen, uh, you need to watch The Chosen. It's a, it's a, a video series. Um, it's, they just, they're releasing season two, I think, today. Um, season one, it's about the people around Jesus. Most of the, the videos or movies that have come out in the last however many years have been about Jesus. They focus in on Jesus, right? And they walk through the Gospels and, and look at Jesus, which is a good person to look at, right? He's a good main character. But uh, The Chosen focuses around all the people around Jesus, and you get to see their stories, and it's just so good. As our, as our family's been watching it, as, after every single one, we just all turn to each other and say, it's so good. But I leaned over to my daughter, Rachel, today um, and whispered in her ear because the, the way that the stories lay out, it shows you the, the character, and it begins to tell their story. And then at some point, because we all know the stories, right? We all know the stories. We've read the scriptures. We know the stories. At some point, Jesus shows up. And it's so good. And it's so good. And you almost, you anticipate it, right? You're like, when's he going to show up? When's he going to show up? When? <gasps> Jesus showed up. And I leaned over to Rachel just here, and I just said, Jesus, Jesus showed up. As we were singing that song, all the weight of my shame and my brokenness was upon me but then jesus called my name and i ran out of that grave jesus showed up he is risen oh how joyous it is to do that call and reply hey to be able to say to people he is risen and to hear people say oh so good Today is Resurrection Sunday, and we are understandably preoccupied with the resurrection. Understandably preoccupied with the resurrection. Of course we are, because Jesus has conquered death, and he's risen from the grave. He's risen from the grave. It's so good. But to fully appreciate this resurrection, we must understand that it wasn't like that just three days prior. The joy and the excitement and the, 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 the wonder of the Resurrection Sunday was a little different three days prior. That day that Jesus rose from the dead came at the end of an unbelievable week. It was just three days earlier on Thursday night after the Last Supper that the disciples and Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Late into the night, Jesus prayed, looking for strength and courage from his heavenly Father. Matthew records Jesus saying this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Have you ever thought about Jesus being like that? The Son of God, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death? Have you ever felt like that? That you've been in a position where you were overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death? That you may not have, and maybe you will never. But certainly you know a time in your life when it felt like there was nothing left. 
During Jesus' prayer time, Luke records something startling. In Luke chapter 22, this is what Luke records. And being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Scientifically, this is called hematidrosis. It's a condition where the, the capillaries um, in the skin burst, uh, and the, the blood mixes with the sweat, and you, it looks like you're bleeding drops of blood. It happens under extreme cases of physical or emotional distress. Jesus was so distressed, so distressed. He was in high anguish, sweating, sweating drops of blood as he prayed. This wasn't a superman going to the cross who just allowed himself to be crucified. This was a, a man, fully God, fully man, experiencing the anxiety and stress of going to the cross. It was early Friday morning before the sun rose that Jesus was arrested from the garden, betrayed by one of his own with a kiss. He was taken before the Sanhedrin, the religious court, and he was beaten and falsely accused. He was taken before Pilate and Herod, the secular court, and beaten again, whipped, shamed, and convicted under false accusations. He was deserted by, only a, by, by all but a couple of his disciples. Everybody left him. Only a few stuck around. Even Peter openly denied even knowing him. Mark then relays what happened next on that horrific Friday. In Mark 15, this is what Mark records. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. They crucified him, uh, crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that they, we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land. Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this, this man was the son of God. Such a brutal end to such an amazing man. Remarkable how the world turned dark during those hours as he was being crucified. 
Jesus was taken off the cross. He was laid in, in a borrowed tomb, crucified, dead, and buried. Now, now, we know the rest of the story. I mean, of course, here we are on Easter Sunday, and, and I can call out to you, He's risen, and you say, He is risen indeed. We understand. We know what the end of the story looks like. But they didn't. When it was happening, they were living it in real time. They didn't know the end of the story. His disciples, those that had fled him, those that had hung around and watched from afar, those that stood at the, the foot of the cross as they watched Jesus die, they, they left, went to bed, exhausted that night, full of sorrow and anguish themselves. And who knows if they slept, who knows what they did all night and into Saturday. The only thing that we see in Scripture that speaks at all to this is that some of the women— Mary Magdalene and another Mary, they watched where Jesus was buried. And then because of the Sabbath, they went home and rested. That's all it says. That's all that we know of this 36 hours that happened between Friday night and Sunday morning. The 36 hours of blank space. But we can imagine that there were likely no happy thoughts, no consoling one another. The Jewish practice of sitting Shiva to encourage one another likely did not happen at this point. They would have just collapsed wherever they were in sorrow and anguish. I imagine that it would have been 36 hours of darkness. Those few hours on Friday when Jesus was crucified where the whole world turned dark, now it was for these, the disciples of Jesus, everyone who had seen him or loved him or known him, it was their turn for 36 hours of darkness. And then Sunday morning came. We just had Dave and Amy McKenzie dramatically read the Sunday morning story from the Gospel of John. I love how it says that early, early, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb. You can almost feel the anticipation. You can almost feel the anticipation in the Gospel stories of these women going to the tomb. They don't know what they're about to encounter. In fact, as they're going, they're like, I don't, we don't even know what we're doing. They had spices. They were going to embalm the body. But as they head to the tomb, they asked themselves, who's going to roll the stone away for us? What are we doing, they're saying. I mean, you can imagine the conversation all the way to the grave. Not knowing what they were about to encounter, but there they are, showing up anyways. And when they arrive, they find that the stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty. At first, they wonder, who's stolen the body? Have some vandals come to, to further desecrate Jesus? to further take the one that they love and, and do all kinds of despicable things with him. And then some angels show up, and they say that Jesus is gone. He's, he's no longer here. And Mary reports this to the disciples. And Peter and John race to the tomb and see that, yes, the tomb is empty and Jesus is gone. Where is he? Peter and John eventually leave. Everyone else leaves. But Mary stays. Mary sits at the graveside, weeping, weeping, still in anguish. Now, not only has Jesus been taken from her, but she can't even come and, and mourn properly, weeping at the graveside. Don't race past this simple moment of a woman who has been following Jesus for the, for the last three years who has seen Jesus do amazing things, who has freed herself from the captivity that she experienced. She was released from bondage. 
found peace and hope in Jesus, found a place, a person who would accept her and see her as precious and loved, who would look past her outer exterior, look past all the names that other people had called her and and see Mary for who she is. Because right at this moment, Mary, a real person, not just words on a paper, not just a name, but a person, Mary, weeps and is lost in sorrow and grief. And it's right at that moment, as all the anticipation is built in this moment, on this Sunday morning, as Mary weeps there at the gravesite, that Jesus shows up. He shows up right in the middle of all of her brokenness. John records that a man begins speaking to Mary, and she thinks that he's the gardener. It's somewhat comical that here this man begins to speak to to Mary, and why are you weeping, woman? And she's like, oh, don't you know, he's, my, my, my Savior is gone. Where have, you, have you taken him? She blames Jesus, who she thinks is the gardener, for stealing the body of Jesus. It's a comical moment. Perhaps she still has her hand, head in her hands. Perhaps she's turned away from the gardener out of shame for crying and weeping and making a scene. Until all of a sudden, this is so beautiful in the Gospel of John, just the way that John puts this. Mary weeping, confused, turned away from the gardener. And Jesus just says, Mary. Mary. And it's at her name that Mary spins around and sees it's Jesus. Rabboni, she says, teacher, it's Jesus and she grabs onto him. In, 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 in the passage, Jesus says, don't grab onto me. I've got places to go. But there's Mary just grabbing onto him. She's not going to let him go because he's shown up again. And here he is alive. Mary. Oh, the joy that breaks forth in Mary's life as all of a sudden all the sorrow and brokenness and torment just falls away in the face of her Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive. If you remember last week, we talked about Palm Sunday. And do you remember what was the event that happened just before Palm Sunday, just before Jesus came into Jerusalem, just before he came to that Palm Sunday, that triumphal entry, he he had raised Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember this? Lazarus, Mary's brother. Lazarus, who was dead for four days. Jesus went to the grave. They rolled away the stone, and he, how did he raise him? Do you remember? Lazarus, he called out to him. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, raised from the dead. Only maybe two weeks before his own resurrection, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And here, and here, he raises himself from the dead. But he raises Mary from the dead as well. Mary's at the grave, broken, weeping. Life is done. Where is she going to go? Mary, he says. Have you noticed how often people, Jesus calls out people's names in the Gospels? It's so good. Matthew, follow me. And Matthew gets up from his dead-end job and follows Jesus. Lazarus, come out of your tomb. And Lazarus raises to life and comes out of the tomb. Peter, 
feed my sheep. Peter's shame and guilt fall away. Mary, have you heard Jesus call out your name? Each of us has a tomb. Your tomb doesn't look like my tomb, but it's still a place of death. Scripture says that before Jesus saved us, we were all like dead men walking, dead in our brokenness, dead in our disobedience, dead in our sorrow, our anguish, our guilt, our shame, dead, dead, dead. And without Jesus, each of us is still in our little tomb, dead. The weight of our worry and our guilt, like grave clothes holding us down, making it impossible for us to move. There at the grave, weeping, broken. And it's right at this moment when we feel the weight of our sadness and our grief and when everything looks dark and broken and lost that Jesus shows up right in the middle of that. Shows up right in the middle. Stepping into our lives, rolling away the stone, taking off the grave clothes and calling out our name. And life springs forth. Life springs forth. We come to life because Jesus is alive. We come to life because Jesus is alive. And Jesus does it again and again in us. As all the dead things pass away and get left in the grave, and Jesus calls out our name again and again. Regret, guilt, shame, addictions, brokenness, sour attitudes, chains of sin and sickness. Jesus calls out our name and those things get left behind. And we come to life and we walk out of the tomb. We walk into hope and joy and peace and comfort, strength and wisdom and all the good things that Jesus' resurrection has given us. Have you heard Jesus call out your name? Have you heard him call out your name? Just take a moment with me, will you? Just close your eyes for just a moment and picture Jesus. Picture Jesus. Get a picture of him in your head. And then listen and imagine him calling out your name. Thank you, Jesus, that you call us by name and you put your resurrection life into us. Now, if you've responded to Jesus' call, as he called your name, if you've, if you've given your life to him, you've responded to his call at some point in your life, and you can probably describe for me right now all the things he's done for you, all the things that his resurrection life has done for you, the things that have been taken off of you, the shame or the guilt or the bitterness or whatever it is, the things that have been taken off. And you can describe for me the things that he's placed onto you, joy and hope and all the amazing things he has for you. As you stepped out of your tomb that time when you gave your life to Jesus, what did he put onto you? What amazing gifts did he give to you? On your tables, you have sheets of colored paper. We want you to write out in just a couple of words where you've seen Jesus' resurrection life come into your life. What have you experienced as Jesus called out your name? What are some of the things you've experienced? Write them on those pieces of paper. Is it joy? Pretty simple. Is it hope? 
Is it renewed vision? Is it a fresh calling? Is it, is it shame gone? Is it hope restored? What is it that Christ has done? What, what is it that Christ's resurrection life has done? Well, I want you to write those things on that paper. Just short words or phrases. Write those things on the paper. We're going to play some background music. And as you guys write those things down on your paper, we want you to put them on the tomb as a sign of the things that Jesus brought. Those things that Jesus' resurrection life has done in you. So go ahead and write those things down. We're going to play the background music. Amy and I, Pastor Amy and I, will stand up here. And as soon as you've got them written down, bring them on up. We're going to stick them on the tomb, okay? And we'll do that just for a couple of minutes. You've got about two and a half minutes to do that. I love that the kids put some pictures up here too. That's really good. I like that. So some of the people wrote things like vibrant emotions, no more shame, love, hope, joy, and purpose. Redemption, joy, life, deliverance. Yeah, freedom in Christ. Mm. Gentle and patient love. Mm. Worthiness, purpose, beauty, life, healing, joy. Mm. Courage, security, overwhelming joy, freedom. Never loneliness. Freedom, joy, fullness of life, security, and so much more. Jesus loves me. Jesus has brought me understanding and compassion. Peace and hope. Forgiveness. Victorious. Shame has been erased. Awesome. That's so good. It's so good. If you haven't finished yours yet, that's okay. At the end of the service, come on up and stick it up here too. It's just fantastic. Awesome. He is risen. He is risen so let me just pray a benediction prayer over you. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your people, your church, the people that you love. And even as you called out each and every one of their names, the things that are common to each of us, Lord, is if we belong to you, Jesus, we are your children. And so I just bless you, church, to know that you are a child of God, that you are his very precious son. You are his very precious daughter. You are beloved. He looks on you with so much joy and so much hope in his heart for you. You're never alone. There's nowhere that you can go away from his presence. He's always there with you. So may you know his love. May you know his love. May you know his presence. The very real presence of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit that you'll be filled to overflowing with his presence. May you know his power that is for you that breaks you out of jail, that, that pulls you up from the mud pits, that, that destroys the work of the enemy. May you know his power. And may, we, may you then, after knowing his love and his presence and his power, may you then walk in that love, presence, and power and so that he can be made known to the nations.
And Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful. We ask, Lord, that you would help us not just to celebrate Easter just one day a year, but to live in the truth and the power of your resurrection every single day. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise and pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You are dismissed. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions or comments or are just wanting to know more about our church, check out our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com as well as you can find us on Facebook or feel free to email us at office at beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray that today you would know the love and manifest presence of Jesus.